What's up, everybody? Hello once again. This is RJ Dupree. I'm the host of The Dupe Show. This is episode number six. We've made it through five episodes. And we've also made it through the 2020 NFL Draft. Virtual and communications only, but by golly, we have made it. The 2020 NFL Draft come to a conclusion yesterday. And now we're back to being stuck in Armageddon. Coronageddon. Not quite Armageddon just yet. But by golly, hopefully we're over the hump. Hopefully we can start getting back to something somewhat normal here before too long. It's a beautiful day here in North Texas, by the way. Sunny and just a few puffy clouds up there. But the draft has come to an end, and now I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to watch on TV. What am I supposed to do? But I can always sit here and talk to you for episode number six of The Dupe Show. As always, thank you to everyone for checking in on episodes one through five. Five was a fun one. That was a pregame for the 2020 NFL Draft. This, the postgame for the 2020 NFL Draft. And on Twitter yesterday, I shared a tweet from Pam Maldonado. Pam's the bomb. You guys follow her. She puts in uh, some work sometimes on the odd chart with our good friend Todd Furman. You'll find that TV show on Once in a While. Those are some great follows on Twitter. But Pam followed some of the great draft experts throughout Twitter and throughout ESPN and throughout NFL Network just to see how many they would nail in the mock draft, right? And you think these guys, with sources out the wazoo, the phone's full of contacts from every NFL team, every scout, every GM, you would think these guys would be all over it and just nail it, nail it, nail it. But quite contraire, my friend. I think the leader that she had, she followed 15 of these so-called experts, and they are experts, they're fantastic. She followed 15 of them, and I think the leader in the clubhouse got 11 of the first round correct. And it's not their fault. I mean, they are truly experts at what they do. Um, That's just nature of the beast. That's the way the draft works. You're not going to nail it. You're not going to get close to nailing it. Which is also why I will never, ever, 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 ever do a mock draft. The idea of a mock draft when it came out 15, 20 years ago, to me, I was like, why the heck would somebody try to nail this down? What are they doing? Like, it didn't make sense to me. And I never really come out and said it, but in the back of my mind, I was like, you can't get close. It, what are you doing? So... That's why I like to just put down a list of my favorite players and see where they go. In episode number five of the Dupe Show, if you were fortunate enough to listen to that, thank you very much. You got to hear about my top ten players available for the 2020 NFL Draft. That's all I did. I list my favorite players, top ten available, and then I see where they go. They went all over the place. All over the place. Only five of them, six of them, pardon me, six of them were indeed taken in the top ten. But some of them were gimmies, of course. 
Now, I knew the draft was kind of set up to either have a run on tackles or a run on wide receivers fairly early, right? And the New York Giants had the keys to that car. They kind of set the pace when they selected offensive tackle at pick number four when they took Georgia's Andrew Thomas. Which, by the way, if you got to listen to episode number five of the Dupe Show, that's one thing I did get right, is Andrew Thomas was my top tackle. Some people uh, give the Giants a hard time for selecting Andrew Thomas as the top as the top tackle. It was a more popular pick to take Jedrick Willis as the top tackle, which he was selected 10th to the Cleveland Browns. So we'll go over Dupes' top 10. Chase Young, obviously he was my top player. He went second to the Redskins where he's supposed to. Joe Burrow, he was number two on my list. He went first to the Cincinnati Bengals. Those two, those two obviously no surprise. My third best available player, I ended up picking up two with Tago Baloa as my third favorite. I didn't think I'd put him that high. I don't know why I did, but he's fantastic. He, he went fifth as the tank for Tua. Barely hung in there for the Miami Dolphins. They were able to scoop him up with the fifth pick. Now on my receivers, I moved all my receivers up. I think those top three receivers and possibly the fourth are incredible game changers, and I still think they are. Even though they slipped a little bit in the draft according to my ranks. They went about where they were supposed to, according to all the professionals and blah, blah, blah. I put CeeDee Lamb fourth. I put Henry, Henry Ruggs the third, fifth. I put Jerry Judy sixth. I put him in that order, and I put him that high. All three of them are going to be fantastic game changers in the NFL. CeeDee Lamb, of course, went 17th to the Cowboys. Henry Ruggs, of course, went 12th. He was the first wide receiver selected, and he went to the Vegas Raiders. And, of course, people think they were crazy for taking Henry Ruggs as the first receiver off the board. But if you listen to the Doom Show, you knew Henry Ruggs had a chance. Henry Ruggs, the first receiver off the board, 12th pick to the Raiders. Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy, my sixth player overall, he went 15th to the Denver Broncos. Jeff Okuda, my seventh player overall. He went where he was supposed to. Everybody was calling it. He went third to the Detroit Lions. Third pick overall. Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn, who I loved. I had him as the eighth player overall. He went seventh. He was the seventh pick to the Carolina Panthers. Number nine, Isaiah Simmons. Outside linebacker slash free safety slash corner slash I'm 6'4". I'm 238 pounds. I do what I want. Isaiah Simmons. He was my ninth best player overall. He went eighth. Selected eighth to the Arizona Cardinals. Fell a little bit, and the Arizona Cardinals said, thank you much, we'll take him. We don't care what we need. We need Isaiah Simmons on our team. And 10, I moved Justin Jefferson all the way up to number 10. He dropped a little bit. He went 22nd in the draft to the Minnesota Vikings. And I couldn't figure out where to put those offensive linemen in my top 10, and of course... They kind of crushed it. They crushed it. Andrew Thomas went fourth to the Giants. Jedrick Willis, 10th to the Cleveland Browns. And Makai Becton, he was supposed to slip a little bit. We talked about him in episode number five. Had a little drug test issue recently. 
was possibly going to cost him some spots. Well, heck, he went 11th. Still went in a pretty good spot to the New York Jets. Mackay Becton out of Louisville. So the three big tackles went ahead of the three big receivers. And the draft was on after that. Now, as you look at the draft, and most everybody always does, they want to give everybody grades and this and that, and, you can, and it's easy to give everybody a B, right? I mean, if we've all played fantasy football, which they're nowhere near similar, but when you draft a fantasy football team, you look at your team when you're done, and you're like, ah, that's pretty good. Everybody says that, right? Ah, that's pretty good. And that's pretty much the grade you can do on the NFL draft. I mean, everybody looks at these teams, GMs, fans, sports writers. Eh, it looks pretty good. But once in a while, you can find a team that stands out. And once in a while, you can find a team that called in sick. Which we have a couple of those this year, at least one. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. First, I'll go over some teams that stand out to me as I thought they did a pretty good job. First off, Miami. The Miami Dolphins had 11 picks. 11, right? The tank for Tua worked. Brian Flores, the coach for the Dolphins, he had those dudes playing hard last year. They drafted, they, they traded out all their top players, right, to get all these draft picks, and then all of a sudden a bunch of no-namers down in Miami are having a ball playing good football at the end of the year. Didn't get all the victories to show for it, but they got a couple, and it almost screwed up tanking for Tua. But by golly, Tua goes to Miami, the fifth pick overall. They had three first-round picks. 18th pick, they got Austin Jackson, the big tackle out of USC. This kid had a little bit of a down senior year, which caused him to slide a little bit in the draft. Could have been a top-three type of tackle. Austin Jackson to the Dolphins. Really good football player. And also in the first round, they take Noah Igby Nogini. Igby Nogini. Of course, the cornerback out of Auburn that nobody can say his name. But it's fun to give it a shot. And, uh, of course, both his pa- he's the one where both his parents were Olympic athletes, and they, they thought, good idea to take this guy in the first round. Noah's a, Noah's a great cornerback out of Auburn. He'll be fantastic there. Robert Hunt, big guard out of Louisiana. Raquan Davis, this guy is headed to Miami from Alabama. 6'7", 306, plays defensive tackle. He was that big number 99. If you saw Alabama play, there was always this big dude in the middle of the TV screen that when he stood up, he like took up the whole screen. That's number 99. That is Raquan Davis. They got Brandon Jones, safety out of Texas. Uh, Brandon Jones played on a busted-up defense. He was busted up. Had to, He was asked to do a lot of different things. Supposed to be a pretty good safety in the NFL. We shall see. Another guard out of Georgia, Solomon Kinley. Jason Stonebridge, defensive end out of North Carolina. He looked good in some of the uh, Reese Senior Bowl stuff. They got him in the fifth round. Curtis Weaver, Blake Ferguson, and Malcolm Perry out of Navy rounding out the picks for the Dolphins. Overall, when you get 11 picks, the Dolphins should get better, and they will. They've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Eight guys that could play right away. 
And with the roster they had last year, all 11 of those might be able to play right away. But it will definitely be fun to see the Dolphins grow, see what they can do down there with Brian Flores and company. When I watched the draft, I thought the Buffalo Bills did a good job. But really, after I got to studying Buffalo Bills, it's kind of meh. It's kind of meh. I love their first two picks. They didn't have a first-round pick, but in the second round, they got A.J. Epineza, the defensive end out of Iowa. All of this guy's film looks absolutely fantastic. He likes being in the backfield for the other team, which is a good thing for a defensive end. In the third round, the Bills take Zach Moss, a running back out of Utah. Zach Moss, a little bit of a bruiser. A really fun running back to pair up with Devin Singletary already up in Buffalo in what will be his sophomore season after having a dynamic rookie season for the young Buffalo Bills last year. They're fun to watch. They're never on TV. But if you get a chance to see the Bills, they were fun to watch last year. And a playoff run included. Uh, San Francisco. I thought they did uh, meh. Although they were able to uh, oop-de-oop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first round when they traded one spot. Tampa Bay gave up a fourth round pick, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But uh, Tampa Bay in the 14th spot, one of the 13th spot in San Francisco, pulled a little oop-de-oop said, Oh, we'll give it to you for, for a pick. When San Francisco was probably going to take a defensive tackle anyway. But Tampa needed their man, Tristan Wirfs, in that spot to tackle out of Iowa. San Francisco took Javon Kenlaw, the defensive tackle from South Carolina. I have no idea what to think about Kenlaw. I have no idea. I didn't rank him all that high. Uh, He's had some busted up knees and stuff. He looks the part. He wears a single digit at the defensive tackle position, which I love. When he's on the field, he looks the part. He looks mean and lean. So we'll see how Kenlaw does in San Francisco. And, of course, San Francisco uh, traded off Matt Breda to Miami. So if you put in the 11 picks that the Dolphins got, plus Matt Breda, things could be looking up at South Beach. Cincinnati, you got to put them on a decent-looking draft board just because of their first two picks. Joe Burrow and T. Higgins. All T. Higgins did at Clemson was bust up Sammy Watkins and DeAndre Hopkins records. This guy's probably going to be a pretty good receiver in the NFL. So Joe, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, I don't care what you did after that. You sharpened up your offense. Which, by the way, still has A.J. Green and Joe Mixon. Uh, let's see, we go to Tampa Bay. They've been on Tom Brady watch and Gronk watch, and what the heck are they going to do? As mentioned earlier, they got that uh, the tackle out of Iowa, Tristan Wirfs in the first round, 13th overall. Antonio Antoine Winfield Jr. from Minnesota, also going to Tampa Bay. This is a safety that can play some football. They say he's a little undersized, whoop-de-doo. He still went in the second round, 45th overall, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because the kid can play. Third round, they take Keyshawn Vaughn, the running back out of Vanderbilt. This kid transferred from Illinois to Vanderbilt. I read a report. I believe it to be true. This guy has not fumbled in college. 
at Illinois or Vanderbilt. Pretty impressive. I do remember getting to see him run a few times at Vanderbilt. He runs hard. Knees up. Going to make you earn the tackle. Like to see what he can do in Tampa. Going to have an opportunity there. Wide receiver Tyler Johnson, also out of Minnesota. Two Golden Gophers for the Buccaneers. This kid's a good player. Fifth round, 161st pick overall for Tyler Johnson. Now, the, the wide receiver class this year was so deep. Some of these guys have higher labels than where they were picked. Tyler Johnson, I think, is one of those. This guy could grade out somewhere around a third round, second round type wide receiver. But he was drafted in the fifth round just because the class was deep at the position. Tyler Johnson is going to be a good football player. Then rounding out for the Bucks, Khalil Davis, defensive tackle, Nebraska, Chappelle Russell, outside linebacker from Temple, and Raymond Callias, running back from Louisiana. Calais. Louisiana. The Raising Cajuns. By the way, Raising Cajuns had three guys drafted. Stepping up down there at Louisiana. Moving on, we go to Baltimore. They pick solid every year. Like, you can pick the Baltimore guys in the draft, right? And they end up getting a bunch of Baltimore guys. Baltimore guys like Patrick Queen, first-round draft pick, 28th overall, the linebacker from LSU. J.K. Dobbins, the hard-nosed running back at Ohio State. Justin Modibuke, the defensive tackle from Texas A&M. I watched this guy in the combine. I can't say his name, but he was good. He was fun to watch. I liked him in the combine. Malik Harrison, another hard-nosed Buckeye, linebacker from Ohio State. Tyree Phillips, guard from Mississippi State. They go on to add a guard from Michigan. And then, uh, let's see, Broderick Washington from Texas Tech, a defensive tackle. James Proshe, wide receiver from SMU, super fast. Oh, not to mention in the third round, 92nd pick overall, they got Devin DuVernay, wide receiver from Texas, super fast. To go with Hollywood Brown, super fast. So they're going to have some speed out on the edge of Baltimore for Lamar Jackson and friends. With a hard-nosed, blue-collar, tough defense, which they always have. And even in the seventh round, they added Geno Stone, a safety out of Iowa. I like this guy. He's a good football player. Slipped to the seventh round, I thought. So now he'll get to go to Baltimore and learn from Earl Thomas, 31 years of age, with uh, three more years on his expensive contract. So Geno Stone from Iowa, he'll get to go uh, train from one of the best in Earl Thomas. Then I'm moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. They were fun to watch, of course, picking up Phillip Rivers in the offseason. They get Phillip Rivers a weapon right out of the gate. They didn't have any first-round picks. But in their second round, first pick for the Colts, they take Michael Pittman, wide receiver from USC. Phillip Rivers obviously going to like that pick. Jonathan Taylor, running back from Wisconsin, Julian Blackman, the safety from Utah. Jacob Eason in the fourth round. Possibly a quarterback of the future for the Colts as Phillip Rivers could be a little over the hill. They go on to pick up a guard out of Ball State, a defensive tackle out of Penn State. I say a Rodgers from UMass. And a wide receiver out of Washington State, Desmond Patman. He was very effective up there for the Cougars. 
And lastly, they uh, add a linebacker from Michigan. Jacksonville, we never know what the heck Jacksonville's going to do. You got to keep an eye on the Jaguars, right? Sometimes they can win bonehead of the year awards. But this year they did okay. I give them a decent grade just for the first two picks, right? The rest of them, nah, we'll see. But the first two picks, ninth overall, C.J. Henderson, the quarterback out of Florida, the top quarterback available. Big, strong corner for the Gators. Not the, one of the main reasons I like C.J. Henderson, he has the ability to play in space. And I'm not talking about just zone space. I'm talking about when you're running as fast as you can and there's a dude on your shoulder that's a freak athlete, 6'2", 215 pounds. Can you keep running while you're next to him without reaching, without grabbing, and with your hand, with your head turned around? And maybe even while you're trying to make a play on the football. What a novel concept. C.J. Henderson has the ability to do that, and not many people do. Most of them are taught to grab, hold, and hope, which is a penalty, and it's crappy defense. I don't understand the theory there. So I'm excited to see see C.J. Henderson. He was drafted ninth overall to the Jaguars. And their second pick, Kalevon Chase on the defensive end out of LSU. Everybody loved this guy. Everybody wants to wants him on their NFL team. And of course, he'll be making sacks with the Jaguars coming up. Now let's go to the boneheads. Let's get to the fun stuff, right? Let's get to the fun stuff. The bonehead picks of the 2020 NFL draft. Let's talk Vegas Raiders first. Now everybody wants to pick on Vegas for selecting Ruggs as the 12th pick overall. But if you listen to the Doom Show, you understood that Ruggs had a chance to crack that code. He had a chance. He could have... Somebody might give this guy a chance of being the top receiver selected because he runs a 4-2-7. He runs a 40 times fast as my car. And by golly, that's what happened. So I'm not going to pick on the Raiders for that. Because I knew somebody might take a, take a flyer on rugs early. Now the 19th pick overall in the first round, the Vegas Raiders selected Damon Arnett. Damon Arnett of Ohio State. I don't care how good... Arnett turns out to be. This is a terrible pick. The worst pick in the draft. What the heck are you guys thinking? This dude is like third, fourth on everybody's board. Everybody's board. Now, if you start talking third and fourth round, you're talking somewhere like 75, 85 pick overall. Not the Raiders. They take him 19th. Out of all the amateur football players in the world, we're going to take this guy 19th. When everybody says he's more like a 70th. I mean, I get it. If you want to go get your guy, go get your guy. But that's insane. And then they don't have a pick till the third round.
In the third round, the 80th pick overall, they had back-to-back picks, 80th and 81. The 80th pick in the third round, they select Lynn Bowden from Kentucky. Undersized guy that can absolutely fly. Pretty good football player. Might have a chance in the NFL. But he shouldn't be the 80th pick overall. This guy, we don't even know what position this guy plays. At Kentucky, he played wide receiver. He played in the slot. He, he played a little H-back. And he played quarterback. The dude's got tons of speed. They'll find some spot for him. He doesn't have Henry Ruggs type speed. But he'll be right there tugging on a sweater. And actually, the 81st pick I, I like for the Raiders. They selected Brian Edwards, wide receiver from South Carolina. As I mentioned earlier, some of these wide receivers will fall because of the, the ranking of the class this year. Brian Edwards was a fantastic receiver for South Carolina. This dude was all over the field for Gamecocks. Main receiver. After the season, he was training, getting ready for the NFL. He broke his foot. So he fell even more. The Raiders go ahead and take him in the third round, 81st overall. This guy's a good, good football player. Now the biggest boneheads of the 2020 NFL draft. Almost finable. I mean, you could absolutely find this team. You could take away some of their draft picks because they absolutely called in sick this year. And I don't, I got a crow to pick with the guy in the first place as far as the head coach goes. But the Green Bay Packers should be ashamed of themselves. What in the world are the Packers doing? They don't have a first round pick. They trade up to get in the first round to select Jordan Love. Quarterback. From Utah State. Okay, I got tons of problems with this. Tons of problems. First off. Put down the booze. They selected up to get a guy that might be there. Personally, I don't have Jordan Love ranked this high. I think he's overranked. And I would love to teach Jordan Love how to throw a baseball. His arm talent is unbelievable. Incredible. He might be a great quarterback. I don't know. And he just made a few few million dollars to do it. So, you know, I wouldn't change his mind just yet. But... As I watch his arm talent and the way he spins it and the way he flips it, I wish I could teach the dude how to throw a baseball because I promise you he could probably throw it 100 miles an hour, which pays pretty good. But Jordan Love. The Packers still have two years left on Aaron Rodgers' contract, so he's still going to be there at least two more years. So if you wanted to take a quarterback this year, two years left isn't terrible timing. I get it. Never know. But they take a backup quarterback, 26th overall, and they trade it up to do it. Okay, so that does you no good for now. Not, no good. In the second round, they get the 62nd pick overall. They select A.J. Dillon running back from Boston College. A.J. Dillon. A.J. might be a pretty good back. He's been good from what I see. I don't get to see a lot of A.J. Dillon. But he looks pretty good. And that he was, was selected in the second round. But A.J. Dillon, 
isn't doing squat in Green Bay because they have Aaron Jones and probably still have Jamal Williams. So another backup. Now, out of the first 62 picks, you get to pick out of all the best amateur football players in the world, and you select two backups, Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon. Matt LaFleur's done nothing but crap on Aaron Jones ever since he showed up in Green Bay. And he's trying to crap on Aaron Rodgers. And oh yeah, let's not forget that when he was in Tennessee, he did nothing but crap on Derrick Henry. He couldn't figure out how to say, turn around and give the ball to Derrick Henry. Funny, the new coaches have figured that out in Tennessee. And now he's in Green Bay, and he can't figure out to turn around and give the ball to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, all he did when you did give him the ball has led the league in rushing touchdowns last year. And you still can't figure out how to turn around and give him the ball. So, why not just go select another running back the second round? Well, they did. Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon. And I was already mad about this, but I heard Max Kellerman on ESPN yesterday talk about how good do you think Jordan Love has to be for this pick to make sense? He brought up a pretty good point. Oh, Maxie did. Jordan Love has to be like a Hall of Famer for this to make sense. He has to sit two years and then become a Hall of Famer or this pick is stupid. Which in the first place, the pick is stupid anyway. Back up, back up. They don't have another pick to the third round, 94th pick overall. And they've gone back up, back up. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I send a cussing text to my GM and to my coach in the middle of after the second round. What in the world are you guys doing? Yesterday they come out, the Packers did, coaches and GMs. Matt is like, oh, just, it's okay, fans. Relax, this will be fine. We have a plan, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you have a plan. You have a plan to draft backups. And in the third round, the 94th pick overall, their third selection after going backup quarterback, backup running back, they take Josiah DeGuara, a tight end out of Cincinnati. Good player. Lines up out wide most of the time, scores some touchdowns, got good hands, gets up the field. A tight end out of Cincinnati. Then in the fifth round, linebacker out of Minnesota. Then sixth round, they finally get... A guard, a center, offensive tackle. They might have got a text from Aaron Rodgers in the fifth round saying, what the hell are you guys doing? So they go offensive line, offensive line, offensive line to maybe throw Aaron Rodgers a bone. And last year, their their defense, the secondary, they stunk. You wouldn't know it by this draft. Secondary stunk. Big need for the Packers. Finally, in the seventh round, they get Vernon Scott a safety from TCU. Vernon Scott going to save the Packers secondary. I hope he does. Got to watch him play a couple times. Like the dude. Seventh pick. Or also in the seventh round, the last pick for the Packers, they take Jonathan Garvin, a defensive end, from the Miami Hurricanes. Which I actually like that pick. He's long, he's lanky. For the seventh round, that dude's got a chance. Green Bay Packers, what the hell are you thinking? Put down the booze. Got a whole bunch of new backups. A couple dudes that can play offensive line. Well done. You know, as I look up at the draft, I like doing it 
from a college standpoint, right? The Big 12, meh, kind of meh. As you look at the NFL draft by conference, SEC had 63 players obviously leading the way. Big 10 had 48 players. Pac-12, 32. Led, led by Utah with seven. Utes. ACC had 27, as I mentioned. Big 12 had 21 players. So, eh, fairly respectable, but overall still meh compared to the SEC standards. But <clears throat> that's kind of the way it goes. As I look over some Big 12 guys, throw in some of them. Colin Johnson, wide receiver from Texas. He went to Jacksonville, 165th overall. These are some Big 12 guys that kind of went late, okay? Not in the first four rounds. 170th overall, we mentioned Broderick Washington earlier. He's from Texas Tech. He went to the Ravens. And in the sixth round, 180th overall, Hakeem Adeniji. Adeniji. He's a tackle from the Kansas Jayhawks. He went to Cincinnati. And at 184, Bravion Roy, the defensive tackle from Baylor. He goes to Carolina to join. Matt Rule and former defensive line coach Franco Cam. What's cool about Matt Rule and Franco Cam this year at Carolina, they had, they had seven picks in the draft. They took all defensive guys. Talk about cleaning house. Walk in the office, look at the defense, and say, you suck, you suck, you suck, who's next? That's basically what they've done. <laughs> I have no problem with it. I think it's cool. So Matt Rule and Franco Cam, they're going to have some work to do with a whole bunch of new picks, including Derrick Brown, the seventh overall defensive tackle out of Auburn. I talked about him in episode number five. And also, one of my favorites in episode number five that I thought was ranked too low was Yator Gross Matos, the defensive end out of Penn State. He goes 38th overall to the Panthers. So I'm excited to see what Rule, you know, Cam, and all those Baylor guys out there in Carolina can do with the Panthers, see if they can get them going. Back to the Big 12 guys in the 7th round, 234th overall, Clay Johnston. Inside linebacker from Baylor. He goes to the Rams. Also in the 7th round, Vernon Scott, safety from TCU, went to Green Bay. We talked about that just a moment ago. And uh, also here we have Geno Stone. He was not a Big 12 player. He was from Iowa. But we talked about him earlier as the 7th round pick for the Ravens. I like Geno Stone. He's fun to watch. If you get a chance to watch Geno Stone, dude gets after it. As you look over just players, just from the schools in general, LSU with 14 picks. They tied all sorts of records. That's been done a few times. I think the last one was Ohio State in 2011, I think. I think it was 2011, somewhere around there. 2011-ish, Ohio State had 14 guys drafted, as LSU did this year. Michigan coming in with 10 picks. Ohio State coming in with 10 picks. Bama had nine. Clemson, Florida, Georgia, Utah all had seven. Clemson, Florida, Georgia, Utah, all with seven guys drafted in the NFL. Hmm. Auburn, Notre Dame with six. Minnesota, Mississippi State, Iowa, Penn State, TCU coming in with five picks each. Then you get to OU with four picks. Miami, Oregon, South Carolina, Temple, Wisconsin, Baylor, all with four picks. And some of the shout-outs, as I mentioned earlier, Louisiana had three guys drafted, oh, Raging Cajuns. Memphis, three guys drafted as well. Yeah, 
Oh, and by the way, that ties some of the big boys, Texas and UCLA. They had three guys drafted. Another shout-out to the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. They had two guys drafted this year. Two, Reggie Robinson and Travis Gibson. Robinson to the Cowboys, Gibson to the Bears. Tulsa Golden Hurricane haven't had two guys drafted in like 26 years. So that's exciting stuff for them. And, of course, uh, the other big trade yesterday, Trent Williams, he's now headed to the 49ers. So that's kind of a cool deal. 49ers add to this weekend's haul. Let's see, the undrafted free agent stuff. I, didn't, I haven't got to keep up with it a ton. I do know some of the local guys around here. Parnell Motley from, from the University of Oklahoma. He will be given an opportunity in Tampa Bay. This dude's numbers, by the way, I knew Parnell Motley was getting hot. I didn't know he was getting this hot. Even including the Peach Bowl, where Oklahoma didn't stop LSU any. Um, Motley had a good game. This guy was responsible for zero yards. In Motley's last four games, he had three shutouts, including the LSU game including a matchup with Jalen Rager, who was selected in the first round, including a matchup with Denzel Mims. Mims went to the Jets, I believe, in the second round. Is that correct? In those last four games for Parnell Motley, he gave up six yards, three shutouts. woo That's getting after it, folks. He had a really good year. The only time he really got beat up was his first matchup with Denzel Mims. And getting beat up is a loose definition here. I think he gave up like 60 yards or something. So Parnell Motley, a pretty good coverage corner, but he's six foot, 185 pounds or something. Small guy. And didn't run the best 40 time. In his pro day, but he's given an opportunity in Tampa Bay, and he will have a shot down there to make the Buccaneers. So that's kind of fun. Parnell Motley of the Sooners, he's headed to Tampa Bay. Lee Morris of the Sooner, he's headed to the Arizona Cardinals. He'll be given an opportunity there with Kyler Murray. He's a wide receiver. And A.J. Green, the cornerback from Oklahoma State, he will be given an opportunity to make the team in Cleveland, where the Browns have signed him as an undrafted free agent. Undrafted free agents, it's fun to keep up with, but there's a bunch of them. And this draft, holy moly. As you get into draft stuff, you just keep digging and keep digging and keep digging. And you want to look at this, you want to look at that, you want to look at this. Denzel Mims, by the way. 59th selection overall, second round to the Jets. Jets Jets had an alright draft. I like what they did. Denzel Mims and and Mekhi Becton out of the gate. It's a pretty good start. And actually, the more I think about the Carolina selections going all defense, heck, it makes sense. Uh, You know, they added a few guys on the offense through free agency and whatnot. Robbie Anderson and Teddy Bridgewater. So why not draft a bunch of defensive guys? Gave up 29 points a game last year, I heard, on on the TV just last night. That's too much. 
Send a message. I love it. I look forward to the next. I look forward to the next draft. I love these drafts, y'all. Love it. I'm all nerded out. I've I've written down like six pages of draft. Holy moly, my hand hurts. It's the reason I couldn't get this podcast out any faster because I've been writing. <laughs> it's funny how much. We never write anymore as humans, right? I mean, all we do is text on our phone and type on our laptops. We never write. So when I had to write yesterday for the first time in like 15 years, A, I couldn't read it, and B, my hand is killing me. (laughs) But we made it. We made it all the way through episode number six. DJ's breaking out the funk music. That means it's time to go. Episode number six has come to an end. As did the 2020 NFL Draft. Stay safe, friends. We're almost there. It's happening. I'm RJ Dupree. I'm out. Later.